Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, first off, I want to say thank you to Dan Gvozdin. Yeah. Uh, for teaching us how to pronounce his name mm-hmm. and for being an excellent guest. We had a great, yeah. great time with him. For a also, moment, I thought you were going to say for teaching us how to love. Anyway, he did that as well. Yeah. And um, he uh, forced me to eat way too many oatmeal raisin, raisin cookies. Yeah. It's there a good thing no I way out of it. It's a good thing I don't like oatmeal or raisin. I like cookies. And you like butter, right? Yeah, it sounds like there was a lot of butter it was, in those cookies. Yeah, I think you would have liked the cookies because it was mostly butter. And uh, yeah, you can always spit those raisins out, but that butter is—you uh, can't separate it. Yeah, it was. Those were really good cookies. Uh, the cookies were almost as good as Dan was a guest. They were almost as good at being cookies, okay, as Dan was at, at okay. talking about movies. I see. So Dan was the uh, oatmeal raisin cookies of podcast guests. No, I'm saying he's better. Oh, he's better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, I didn't eat them. So, you know, I don't even know. Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. That's in the past now. Right. Um, we have a guest. We should bring the guest on. All right. Uh, and by we, I mean you, you should bring the guest on. Oh, okay. Uh, it's my co-host Josh Long. Hi. That makes it sound like I'm the co-host for this show. Like maybe someone's been listening for years and they're like, wait a minute, there's another co-host that I just didn't know about? Well, I've just been the fill-in. <laughs> it is. Well, it he's is. Back from his Good sabbatical. to be back. Uh, thanks for filling in for me, David. Living with monks in Tibet. <laughs> it is uh, It is entirely feasible that you've just been sitting there and haven't been saying anything for a while. That's possible. kind of a quiet person. Yeah. He's like, reading a book. Yeah. It's like, every, but every once in a while, it's like, oh, these are the movies that should not have won Best Picture. <laughs> Every once in a while. I just had to chime in. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, and I, by the way, I do want to apologize to everybody. Um, I will be coughing occasionally. I'm a bit under the weather. And so I'll, I will try to cough uh, off mic. We should say something about it every time you do. Please do. Like Mazel Tov or something. Yeah. I don't know. Huzzah! Yeah. <laughs> something that sounds celebratory. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, but then it just sounds like you're happy I'm sick. Well... Oh, Uh-oh. I see how this goes. <laughs> you're trying to. Rep- you're hoping I'm. I die because you want to. Repl- you do want to be the. Speaking of that co-host, co-host position, yeah. <laughs> why are you rubbing your hands together? Yeah. This. This. Do you th- are you expecting a big payoff or something like that? Uh, we'll see. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. So, uh, and I guess before we uh, get into our top of the show topic, we uh, we do actually have a sponsor. All right. This episode is sponsored by Mubi a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, movies curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There are a lot of great movies available right now, among them City of Life and Death, the first film to dramatize the Nanking Massacre in 1937. Directed by Lu Chuan, City of Life and Death uses beautiful black and white photography to depict the stark villainy of the era. Or, if you're in the mood for something lighter, actress Julie Delpy follows up her film Two Days in Paris with the indie film Two Days in New York, co-starring Chris Rock. These films and more are available at Mubi.com. There's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B as in boy, I, dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. 
We also have another sponsor. Today, we want to tell you about an exciting new Indiegogo campaign for the debut graphic novel by author John Engel. The book is Dodd Skull Investigations, Volume 1, The Simeon Case, a pulpy, sort of sci-fi detective story about a P.I. of an unknown species who lives in a world populated by intelligent animals and sentient objects. He wants to get ahead in the world, so he takes on a dangerous, high-profile case that ought to get him some attention. Instead, it forces him to look into his past and start to unearth his own dark origins. Now, you might be saying, Indiegogo, that's like Kickstarter, right? So why should I be giving a handout to this bum writer just so he can write a book? Well, that's just the thing. The book's already done. This John Engel guy isn't asking for donations. He's using the campaign as a pre-ordering platform. You give him 20 bucks, and he'll give you a signed copy of the book, a specially designed letterpressed bookmark, and ship it right to your door. So, unlike a lot of crowdfunding campaigns, you actually get what you pay for. The campaign kicks off today, March 30th, 2015, and will last until the end of April. Just click on the link at battleshippretension.com. Thank you. All right. So, um, uh, and yeah, uh, let's see. I think that's... Smooth as can be. Yeah. No one suspects a thing. Listeners, <laughs> listeners you've been struck by a smooth criminal. Um, so... Uh, Okay, so we should, but we should move on now um, before we get to the, the the topic proper. Yeah, David, yeah. you've got a you've got a beef. Well, no, I don't know that I do. Okay, I, and this is a sign of my, I don't know, maturing, selling out. I'm not sure. <laughs> if this were a year or two ago, are they one and the same? I think yeah, so. Yeah, if this were a year or two ago, I definitely would have a beef. I'd have a bone to pick. Okay, I'd be up my high horse. Yeah, but I'm not here. Okay. I just happen to know. I've never attended the South by Southwest Film Festival. Oh, South by? That's what yeah, I call it. That's what a lot of people call I it. I prefer to call it SXSW. Ugh. <laughs> for, for economy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've, got, we've all got places to be. <laughs> um, uh, so I've never been. And I think I remember South, <laughs> South by um, being a music festival, which it still is. I don't know if you know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. after the movie's end, people are still in Austin. Maybe even more people for like days more. Yeah, watching bands play. Is it that um, segmented out where it's like movies first, then music after? Well, it's like the interactive and the film, and then the music sort of all like I guess they're staggered, but they overlap. So I hmm. guess there are uh, there's a couple days. Okay, where it's film and music. I, I th- but it's in the same venue, so it's really frustrating. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You're trying to watch the new uh, Joe Swanberg movie, and then just yeah. Wilco's and all over got, it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that might work out. For, that's like <laughs> Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, um, well done, gentlemen. Um, so, but I noticed in reading people's coverage or just the people that I follow on, on Twitter and Instagram uh, who were down there, um, more, uh, again, I had this idea in my head mm-hmm. from when I was in high school or whatever, uh, and, you know, you'd hear about South By as like this great place for indie bands, and I guess I sort of heard but sort of ignored the uh, the, the 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 feeling that it'd become more and more um, corporatized, more of a big business mm-hmm. type of event. But I was really surprised for the first time this year just how much of a presence and how much of the tweets and Instagrams that I was looking at were about Fast and Furious 7 or, yeah. or, or Spy or Unfriended or a lot of these like big studio releases um, that were down there. And my, again, you know, my punk rocker first reaction was no fucking way. If I were no fucking way, I would travel to a film festival (laughs) and waste. I would not go see the 
work in progress cut of Judd Apatow's train wreck. Um, I'd be above that. Uh, but then it occurred to me, well, a lot of these people that I'm following on Twitter and Instagram are being paid to yeah. be down there. Mm. And maybe the places they're working for recognize that there might be some more uh, uh, more clicks or more interest in talking about in, in seeing this Judd Apatow movie before it came out and having something to say about it or having one of the first reviews of Fast and the Furious 7 mm. than there is in, you know, the the Final Girls or whatever other show uh, movies uh, did well down there. And so I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this idea of, um, uh, I guess, the this this big studio presence at the South by Southwest Film Festival. Mm. So it sounds almost as though your issue has more to do with the coverage of the studio stuff more than the studio stuff no, being there. That's what I thought. That's what my issue would have been. Okay, I see. But I'm a more mature person now, and I yeah. understand the people. And have- one that understands that, you know, our, we get more invites to screenings, uh, the higher our clicks are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't in, inherently bother me. Um, it does... Uh, you know, it's it's a thing that has been said about Sundance, for example, for like probably the last ten years. Is when you think of the movies that Sundance kicked off, or or you know got more exposure as a function of Sundance in the '90s, as opposed to now. But I feel like it's a different kind of thing because yeah. Sundance, again, another place I've never been. But the complaint there is now there are big budget indies, clearly have been clearly being made with what could be called a Sundance type of aesthetic. Right. You know, this glossy uh, major indie type of movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, these aren't studio releases that already have wide distribution from yeah, yeah. the from pre-production. Uh, it's a different thing that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but either way, it's it's for me, it's this idea, and maybe a, a thing that I talk about in regards to, like, the Indie Spirit Awards. Um, and it's not exactly the same, but, like, it's this instinct of, like, no, this thing was... I say ours. I've never been to South by Southwest either. Yeah. But like, it's like, oh no, this this was ours. And now, is there any place left where people can go and not be just so marketed to by? So it's not like this. It's not like people need to be more aware of the seventh Fast and Furious film. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was going to be I, fine either way. Do we really <laughs> need? Did it? Did this need to happen? And it's that feeling. And I feel it a little bit of like. Is there anywhere I can go and just be there and not have to worry about just being inundated with stuff that I would be if I was at home? Yeah. Fast and Furious is a weird one to be there. Like, because, like you said, it's such a, uh, it, it's already this franchise. It's already going to make a, a bunch of its money. Cause, but it also, the in recent years, the series has built a lot of cred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I've, never, like, I've never seen anyone but the first one, which I thought yeah. was, 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 was was dumb it was <laughs> i'm uh, in the same boat with you there it was well, I, i'm trying to think what the word is uh anyway. i mean dumb is the word yeah but there's a better <laughs> word that i'm looking for that i'm drawing a blank on right now simple no okay i haven't, seen any, of the, I haven't seen any of them by the way yeah uh, boneheaded maybe <laughs> that's i mean that, that works yeah um but it's it's weird because there's a tendency like with Sundance or like with Comic-Con to feel like the when the big people move in that that uh, doesn't that that kind of pushes out the little guy. And I think that can kind of happen, for instance, at Sundance, which used to be, you know, a, a place where a lot of indie films can get discovered. Now, all, almost all of the indie films are big indie films. It's almost impossible to get in there unless you've got, uh, you know, unless you've got celebrities in it. So 
I feel like there's a sweet spot between that and having a film festival that just doesn't have any bigger movies. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. if it's all indie and if it's all super indie, you know, that that's great for the people who get into that festival, but only to a point because no one's going to know about the festival. No one's really heard about it. But by bringing in bigger ones, the festival gets a little bit higher of a profile, which elevates everything. Right. Um, so I think that can and happen. pays bills. Right. I think that's, the, but yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I think there, there's kind of a, unfortunately festivals, I think tend to hit this spot where it's perfect for that sort of thing. And then after that, they just kind of get bigger. It's hard to keep them from getting bigger after, you know, one person starts doing it after you get say a fast and the furious at South by Southwest. Now, next year, you're going to have somebody else who's going to want to do the same thing. You might have two people who want to do the same thing, four people who want to do the same thing and so on and so forth. And I don't know. Um, I think my favorite film festival is the Los Angeles film festival. Um, Mm -hmm. partially because I don't have to go anywhere Um, (laughs) and I, you know, usually can't afford to travel. There's a reason I haven't been to Sundance and South by four. Incidentally, my favorite, my favorite house is my house as it turns out. (laughs) But no, I, I I love the Los Angeles film festival because it festival, because it really is, um, so much of it really is movies that don't have distribution that are truly Mm -hmm. independent. Yeah. Uh, and I see so much great stuff there every year that sometimes, doesn't come out for a year or ever you know Mm -hmm. i've seen uh you know stuff that uh, there's a well walking underwater was a documentary i saw this past year it's beautiful and i hope more people get to see it but i've heard nothing about Mm. uh any real distribution uh but it also has like not this past summer but 2013 man of steel premiered at the los angeles film festival but the way it does it if you the, the way that it programs it it's like man of steel was like a day before any of the other screenings actually happen. It okay, feels, so it's almost separate from it, Yeah, the, it feels very separate. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea. And, and it, yeah, it seems to, to work for them. Um, and maybe that's, maybe part of my weird reaction to how much of this stuff I was seeing at South by Southwest is because I'm used to the LA Film Festival yeah. <laughs> uh, model. Um, again, I, I, I don't want, this isn't what the episode is about. Just wanted right. to get your guys, take your guys' temperature. And I want to hear, honestly, um, I was like having reason for people to comment on the uh, on the website i definitely want to hear what other people think about uh, all the all the big studio stuff at south by and i feel like it's something that we will need to sort of reserve judgment about for until maybe three years from now yeah when maybe. this could happen more and more until that's just what it is now i don't think it'll ever be that but it could just you know w- w- you know once the bills start being paid they're they're is a temptation to be like, Hey, this is pretty nice. We're yeah. starting to actually turn a profit here or, or just start to start to sort of weigh like, okay, how many big corporate things can we have so that we can bring up mm-hmm. so that we can allow more smaller things to be exhibited. And, you know, it could turn into a situation where it's half and half and then maybe it could be 60, 40. And it's like, yes, yes, we've got a lot of big corporate movies, but Look at all these. Look at these here. Yeah, yeah. And it's like no, there's not as many as there used to be. <laughs> and it's not. It doesn't seem to be um, relegated to the film portion. It seems to be. It's a big right. part of the the music stuff as well. There was a story. I don't know if you guys followed this about the they're like the McDonald's sponsored showcase at South by Southwest, no. which in which they weren't planning on paying any artists. 
<laughs> like oh, like, I did hear about the that. Idea yeah, it was like we're McDonald's and we're going to give you all this exposure. And a lot of people were like, no, you're McDonald's. You're getting a lot of exposure off of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not shilling for you for free. Oh, yeah. And so you, bands you started. Told me about this. Okay, yeah. So uh, I guess bands started dropping out, and yeah. eventually McDonald's was like, okay, we'll pay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they can afford it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what is here and there and everywhere. Uh, where a great podcast can be found is tweakedaudio.com and their fantastic earbuds <laughs> that are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching you. The, I'm not the uh, omnipresent, uh, <laughs> omnipotent, omniscient, but tweaked but, audio. But benevolent. Benevolent. <laughs> uh, just don't cross them. Tweaked audio <laughs> earbuds. Uh, they're they're they sound fantastic they look fantastic they're very stylish they the uh and they're very affordable you can get them at tweakedaudio.com but if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension you get that for one third off and no shipping charges that's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension so let's get into it shall we all right <clears throat> what so, are we actually <laughs> here to talk about you sounded so excited tyler yeah i, feel I did like- not do my homework that's all right. You sent me homework to do, but I had a bad day at work, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't do the homework. That's all right. You can, I'm sure you can roll with the punches. All right, here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> I've been here's the thing. I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time, and we were able to ha- move it up on the schedule, and I was very excited about that. I was and now. A- I am. I've done a complete 180 because Tyler is so <laughs> not into this. All of a sudden, I was. I was not this episode that was his idea. I was not emotionally prepared to discuss it today when I am a bit under the weather, but I'm willing to do so because I wanted to do this episode uh, as close to the Oscars as we could, but we had you know guests booked and that kind of thing. So, uh, but at this point, the Oscars are not that uh, long ago. So, so I'm I'm happy to do. Everyone's it, but- still talking about Neil Patrick Harris in his underwear. Right? Are they? You can't go. You can't swing a dead cat with uh, hearing a conversation about the uh, uh, John Travolta touching <laughs> Dina Menzel's face too much. Absolutely. Every time I pick up a dead cat, then someone nearby starts. I, talking although about it should that. be noted that the conversation quickly turns into, "Hey, someone threw a dead cat at me," um, and then the other person's like, "Who cares?" And Dina Menzel and her precious face. Um, Didn't you hear about John Travolta? But yeah, uh, yeah. So here's the deal. Um, the reason that I'm reluctant about it, and maybe the very fact that I'm reluctant about it, can play into the conversation itself. Um, we're going to talk politics a little bit, not very much. Listeners love that. They sure do. <laughs> Especially we get nothing but positive feedback whenever we <laughs> I, wade into these waters. I think what we should start out is just by saying why we think everyone else is wrong, and then I that'll, think that uh, works out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ted Cruz, what does everybody think? I'm, I think he's the best politician out there. I, I, if I, there was one for, word for him, it definitely wouldn't be divisive. <laughs> he's a unifier, you know? Um, so, okay. Uh, the deal is this. So, okay, listeners know that I'm conservative, and, uh, and n- really nobody has given me any crap about that. So I don't want to act as though I'm some kind of persecuted thing. Most people have been pretty, pretty cool about it. Um, can't say the same about some of our guests, but that's, uh, I won't go into detail about that. Um, you're talking about one guest in particular, one guest, uh, there've been one or two, but okay. one guest was really rough. Um, and then, me? uh, what was um, that? It was me, wasn't it? Yes. I, I'm sorry. Which is weird. That. Cause we agree most of the time. Yeah. If but, anything, you're like, you're such a sellout for hosting <laughs> with someone that doesn't agree with you. There's that one thing we disagreed on. And I just, um, actually, you know what? There have been a couple listeners, but that's, 
they weren't responding to me talking about my politics on the show. They were responding to like, you know, Facebook posts and stuff like that. So, um, and, uh, and after a while you just, I just like, I don't have the energy for this. And so I've actually stopped posting any, any political stuff on Facebook because, uh, it's, well, that's not what this is about. Um, it's okay. It winds up being exhausting. Everyone who disagrees with you has long ago hid you. That's a thing you can do on Facebook, or, un- right? or unfollowed. Yes, and don't go, don't worry. I've unfollowed you as well. Um, it's uh, and and I feel shitty doing I love that. The, I love the idea of the hide feature, though. Yeah, but if, doesn't it feel it, it feels a little shitty where it's just like I, I think, will unfollow or hide everybody that I don't agree with. But right. I I guess I don't actually do that. It's just the people that have a certain tone. Uh, whether I agree, and by the way, there's plenty of people that I do theoretically agree with mm-hmm. whose tone I don't like, and mm-hmm. I've hit them as well. Yeah. So, um, I get paranoid. I'm not really on Facebook, but I get paranoid about like, I wonder how many people have muted me on Twitter. That's the yeah. mute is the Twitter version of hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly new, right? Like, I feel like that's only come about in the last year. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe I've know. only recently found out about yeah, it, but, I um, but I get paranoid about it. Yeah. And I guess, and I, I really don't say a lot of super divisive things on Twitter, unless it's a uh, election time, um, <laughs> in which case, depending on if things <laughs> went my way, uh, <laughs> You know, you don't say a lot on Twitter at all. That's true. You don't tweet. I, I like started the other, you know, I'm running the other like our yeah. show Twitter feed now. Yeah. And so I'm trying like, all right, if Tyler tweets anything that's pertinent, uh, I'm going to retweet from that account. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like you do like one thing every three days. Yeah. There's something about because I do our Facebook page sure, yeah. and then I've got two Twitter accounts. Uh I tend not to think uh, about that. Every once in a while, I'll think of like a joke and I'll think, oh, I got to I got to do that. I should tweet that. And then you forget. I'm I'm bad about that, too. I'm like, if I can get like three a week, I'm doing pretty great. Also, I found that my tweets tend to be very circumstantial and you never know who's going to read it. Like, for example, (laughs) a few months ago, I was on a hike with uh, my uh, my in-laws and uh, as I'm sure listeners can assume, I'm not much of a hiker. Um, and so the whole time I just kept thinking of like, I didn't have my phone on me, but I was, I was storing up tweets, uh, of things I wanted to tweet, uh, about hiking in which it would just be like <laughs> hiking when there's literally nothing else to do hiking because they turn boredom into a sport, <laughs> stuff like that. But then I thought, well, you never know who's going to read that. Maybe somebody that I care about and uh, word could get back and uh, <laughs> that I found this really passive aggressive way of saying, I don't like hiking. You know how like. <laughs> Mark Twain said that golf is a good walk ruined. Hmm. Hiking is like, I wish I could be playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> why, is, why don't I have, why aren't there 18 holes here? Yeah. Also, I'm convinced there are rattlesnakes and mountain lions oh, sure. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Hiding behind every bush. <laughs> Hiking. Yeah. Because when nature says, you're not allowed here, you, you say, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I saw a thing that was like a class to teach you how to help your dog avoid rattlesnakes on hikes. And I was like, I just, I've got just, an idea. Yeah. <laughs> Foolproof solution. Yeah. A, I think I adopt an abstinence only uh, attitude about that. Um, so yeah, we are off target. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I, I enjoyed that, uh, that tangent. So, uh, so I don't talk a lot about politics on here, mostly because I'm very sheepish about doing so because I am very aware that our, that, the major- based on surveys that I put out there, the ma- vast majority of our listeners do not agree with me, which actually makes me kind of happy that they're not as that they're not jerks about it. Um, uh-huh. Though maybe if I was more 
Maybe if I stated what I believed more, maybe they would be. Who's to say? Or at least they'd yeah, be Yeah, I know. I mean, I've responsive. taken a lot of, like, I'm the one who's more left-leaning. And I when know. I've said more libertarian things, I've taken a ton of shit for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in the same way, you know, you hear about, uh, like, Jimmy Pardo, who says all kinds of stuff. The minute he and Andy Kindler just start to head down the path of, like, atheism and like making fun of that oh they can make fun of 9-11 all day uh-huh. long <laughs> the minute they even start to hint that hey maybe bill maher's atheism is not expressed well <laughs> then they get just a barrage of emails and wow. and it's and pardo the way he the way See, I hate sorry he, he doesn't like being called Pardo. sorry jimmy says it's that idea of like not in my backyard it's like mm. people are on board with you all day long you can be completely irre- uh, irreverent about certain things but the minute it even starts to get right. towards them then they can turn on you completely see this is why i'm not a joiner then nothing is in my backyard because i'm out I'm off the grid. Yeah. I'm out. I'm living <laughs> under overpasses and stuff. I don't have a backyard. <laughs> You've been put out to pasture. Exactly. So that's why, like, I I guess I'm an atheist in that I'm not a believer, but mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to join another group, so I don't like to like self-identify yeah. as an atheist because that's a whole other group that I have to sign up for. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get those emails. Yeah. It's just yeah. All yeah. a hassle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you got to listen to all the podcasts and there are a lot of them. Um, <laughs> all they, of the podcasts beating us in the podcast awards. Although, uh, thanks everybody, by the way, uh, a lot of you were very supportive, uh, in this year's podcast awards voting, including you, David. Yeah. And, uh, do you know the, when do you know the results? Uh, mid April. So, and, uh, just to let you know, as I've said before, the, how the podcast awards don't mean anything, but now they've been bought out by the new media expo. The host of the podcast awards will be, uh, Dennis Miller. Really? Oh, so they don't know anything. Well, I'm just, (laughs) it is in Vegas and he's a big Vegas presence, but at the same time, like it's actually somebody with a name, regardless of what you might, you know, what, what any of us might think of him at this point. Um, anyway. Okay. Sorry. I've been very purposefully, uh, pussyfooting. Yeah. Eating around the bush. (laughs) Uh, basically here's what happened. Um, Back around the time of the Oscars, so there's a number of conservative podcasts and conservative articles, uh, podcasts that I listen to, articles that I read, and as tends to happen uh, around Oscar time especially, uh, you get a lot of a lot of conservative commentators talking about movies, which is uh, bad news, um, <laughs> because it's no different than when anybody else who doesn't know about movies right. decides they want to start yeah. talking about When someone it. whose job is to talk about something else is suddenly like, hey, there's a big movie there, there's a yeah. big thing happening in the movie, so it's time for us to talk about movies. Like, And because I think... Uh, Conservative commentator Bill Whittle always uh, always says that uh, politics is downstream of culture, which I agree with. Um, that like if you're able to lock into culture, you can actually start to shape politics, which is one of the reasons why Tina Fey as Sarah Palin helped to sink that campaign. People thought that Sarah Palin said, "I can see Russia from my house," which she never said. Sarah Palin right. said, uh, "Sorry, Tina Fey said it as Sarah Palin." Yeah. So it's or like, like the strategy thing. That was the yeah. same thing. Uh, yeah. Well, did you see? Kate McKinnon's Hillary Clinton. I did. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, I have not seen that. Is that a recent thing? Yeah, a couple I weeks she, old, and she's like, has this like very forced. Yeah, uh, really. She keeps referring to herself as relatable. And yeah, she, she gives this like hideous laugh. Yeah, she's like what a relatable laugh. Yes. <laughs> it's 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 delightful. And so, um, but anyway, uh, and so I think because of a lot a lot of political commentators, they recognize that. Culture does play into that, pop culture especially. Um, And so they feel like, oh, well, 
And especially around Oscar time, that's when you get movies that have a message, usually. Like, they, do, they tend not to talk about box office in general. They'll talk about movies with a message. And because they are very aware that, that Hollywood tends to, or at least the people in Hollywood tend to lean left, they're looking very, they're looking at those messages. And then this, and then almost every year, but not, all, not, not every year, but this year, you had a movie like American Sniper, which was really uh, embraced by political conservatives. So you add that and has made a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And so you have that winning only one Oscar for sound editing, I believe. Um, Or was it sound mixing? I don't remember. It was one of them. And so... uh, I... Yeah, I won't... Yeah, it's... Like, war movies tend to win both. If they win win one, they win the other, but that didn't happen this time. I think sound mixing went to... I uh, think mixing was... Whiplash. Yes, I think you're right. Um, Look, I don't remember the awards. I just remember the puns. Absolutely. <laughs> with, with with her I'm spoon. So sorry. With her spoon. Oh, that's right up my alley. That is that is my idea of comedy. As, <laughs> as I think as I think we said on that episode, it would have been funny if you said you can eat her up with her spoon, and then someone other than Reese Witherspoon comes out, and it turns out, oh, it wasn't. I'm sorry. I just missed. <laughs> I, I miss said with a spoon. I liked it. Um, so. Um, so you got a lot of, I read a number of articles and I listened to a couple of podcasts in which people felt the conservatives felt the need to weigh in on the best picture nominees and just, and then I, Oh, I got to stop doing this. I weighed in, in certain comment sections said what I thought were very reasonable comments. And sometimes people responded in a reasonable way. Um, other times it's the, it's that fucking no true Scotsman attitude where it's like, surely you can't be a conservative if you like this movie or if you think this thing. I ran across I, this shit all the time with Christian uh, audiences, and now I'm hitting it with conservative. I think <laughs> there's fists, so fists in the air. I think I think part of this episode needs to be like an intervention style. We need to tell Tyler, do not read comments on articles. <laughs> Ignore them. The that's where the worst people in the world go to say the worst things in the world. But it's also where every once in a while you find someone who really like either responds to an article I don't like in a really good way. And then sometimes they'll actually have a link to their own blog, which is helpful mm. or somebody because you wish to subscribe to their newsletter. I wish absolutely. <laughs> um, and so uh, I love that phrase. That's from Simpsons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, no, that that is definitely an issue. But also, if you are like myself, if you're interested in the – it's one thing to read an article, but it's another thing to think, okay, well, this is what this website or this author is putting out there. Mm. What do the readers have to say? Because I could judge based only on this, but that's only part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part is how people are receiving it. Mm-hmm. So I do find reading comments. I try. I avoid it when it's like, okay, no, clearly, nothing is nothing good is being said on one side of it. I don't care what people have to say on the other side. But when it comes to something like this, you know, uh, on the Blaze, which is uh, Glenn Beck's website, uh, which I don't read very often either, and uh, back when Amy Nicholson wrote a negative review of uh, Lone Survivor, and people got really mad at her, uh, I went on and made some comments there, and that did not go well for me. Um, <laughs> Because I do try to, I try, and this, this I think is where, where it comes down to is I try to take a nuanced approach where it's like, I have no doubt that I disagree with Amy about almost everything political, 
but I and and I don't often agree with her artistically, but I appreciate and can understand where she's coming from artistically because I try to come from there as well. And so you kind of have to walk that fine line, which kind of makes you, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry to make it sound like more dramatic than it is, but kind of this man without a country where, you know, artistically you're maybe because you and I talked about, you know, with bias, you're always going to bring your own personal bias. It could be philosophical. It could be political, be, you know, personal, whatever, Um, you're bringing your bias to anything. So it's entirely possible that my own politics, for example, the movie that I thought for 2014 was underrated was the giver. And that's, Mm -hmm. and it touched on a lot of political sweet spots for me. Hmm. And so maybe that's why I thought it was underrated. Hmm. Maybe if I didn't think that, maybe I'd think it was bad as a lot of people do. And flip side, maybe a lot of people thought it was bad because they did not politically like the idea of it. Um, so that's the other side of it. And so, so I have to constantly be examining myself for like conservative bias, but then, so that's on the artistic side, on the political side, there's so, there's such a lack of nuance. Everything is so black and white that it's exhausting. And I feel like anytime I try to say, yes, I understand what you're saying, but are you literally saying that this performance is not good because you didn't like the character? And then they say, yes, that's what I'm saying, uh, though they don't say it exactly that way. But that's essentially it. So so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is what it is like to be politically conservative. And I would venture to say artistically liberal. Is that an OK, Josh? Because yeah, you and I, I hear what Josh is yeah you and I are very yeah. similar in this way. Um, what do you think of the encapsulation of that? I don't know what artistically liberal would mean necessarily. And I I could say that maybe we tend to line up with uh, artistically more often with people who might lean politically Mm -hmm. to the left, um, if that makes sense. But I think that's uh, I think there's been a really a real problem in the conservative community in really embracing and understanding art. Yeah. Um, Not to say that there aren't a lot of people who are politically conservative who have a great appreciation for art know a lot about it. It's it's just when it, when you get into the more political things like say Glenn Beck's website, which Mm -hmm. is, is maybe too political to go on at all. Um, uh, but you're, you're likely not going to find people who can enjoy the, the nuance in, in art and things like that. It's hard to say too, because the, I read the, the comment thread that you were talking about and it's, it's baffling, but, uh, uh, you, you start to wonder if these people have suddenly taken to the internet over something that they've never even really thought about before. And now something has rubbed them the wrong way, whether it be the fact that people have spoken negatively about American sniper, a movie that for some of them, Seems like maybe it should be right up there next to the Bible. And, uh, I mean, if they feel like that movie's been attacked anyway, and now here it should get Oscars and it's not, um, this just proves the whole idea that Hollywood's a bunch of leftist snobs. Right. And I think Never that's, mind that it was nominated for all of that and that the film got made in the first place. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, I don't know. I feel like it's a, some of it comes from a misunderstanding of just what's, the Hollywood machine is. And I feel like yeah. that's what you're going to get from people who, uh, 
who don't understand the movies and don't understand art kind of in general. I thought the most poignant comment in that whole segment that I saw was someone who said, you people are being just as bad as the people who are like the Al Sharpton's who are saying Al Sharpton called some kind of emergency meeting when the Oscar nominations came out to say yeah. like black people aren't being represented properly in Hollywood. And it's one thing if you say that someone should have been nominated for more words and awards and maybe it should have, but like the, that's the other side of the spectrum where yeah. people uh, the people are waiting to be infuriated in the wings all the time. So, um, I don't know. I, I, and I think that comes from the same thing. I don't think Al Sharpton probably knows very much about the movies right. and how movies work and how, the, and how the Academy works and things like that. And so he gets infuriated the same way that I don't know if Glenn Beck was infuriated, but the people on his website at least were. Yeah. I, I um, venture to say he was, I think it's safe to assume. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think that th- there's a polarizing thing there somehow. Well, a, co- a couple of things that I want to say. Um, one, I, I think uh, that is a common complaint that people say that people are just looking for reasons to be outraged. But I think it actually does. Um, it, it actually is a is a problem. There was a um, uh, because it, it keeps us from having actual conversations. Um, there was a deadline article. Uh, uh, a day or two ago about this about um, but about television about diversity on television Mm -hmm. and um, wondering it was an editorial wondering if uh, diversity on television was going too far it's basically the the argument you get against affirmative action like are uh, are talented actors missing out on roles because um, there's a quota to fill or whatever Mm -hmm. uh i know i disagree with that article i I disagree with that person's point of view but so much of the reaction to it was just like oh fuck deadline they've really like uh they've really dug themselves in a hole with this one this is like so uh this is this ridiculous deadlines become an embarrassment and just essentially outrage and dismissal uh and i feel like wouldn't i I, my feeling the last couple days in the circles of the internet that i travel uh in, in in which I'm mostly among people who, who agree with me, but uh, these people who agree with me about this deadline article were not having any sort of dialogue about it at all, and I found that kind of kind of troublesome. If mm-hmm. we just retreat to the sides, anyway, that's because uh, I think because uh, I think you're right about the. Uh, I think there's a conversation to be had about the uh, uh, the different contributing forces that led to such a white, uh, representation, yeah. uh, among Oscar nominees mm-hmm. this year. But the idea of each side retreating behind their battlements and throwing spears at each other, <laughs> uh, that was not the best analogy. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um noted uh, liberal David uh, back. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, it definitely turns into. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really wondering why you that out. Uh, I'm picturing like a medieval thing. They yeah, had yeah. spears too. Yeah, no, I was thinking That's something what I was like. Picturing. I was thinking of something like from you know 300 or something. Like right, that. right. That's what I'm picturing. At least you said battlement walls. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, now people are dismissing me uh, being tossed on the pile. The pile with deadline. Um, anyway, uh, but. To get back to the topic, um, and this is an outsider point of view. I don't know what, how you guys feel about this, but the idea that you guys are talking about that art has become the uh, in America the arena of liberals, I kind of feel like, as from an outsider, that the conservatives in America have kind of over the last few decades done that to themselves. That they that there's become that they 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 garnered so much. 
uh, support from certain segments of the population by distancing, them, distancing themselves and uh, putting uh, this this uh, blanket of distrust over intellectuals that um, they sort of gave up their hold on on that at least in a large in a large part. It's it's hard to know like a chicken or the egg thing. It's hard to know where it started because you also had intele- you also have intellectuals. One of the one of the articles that I lunk, that that I linked lunk. <laughs> that's that's the that's the past tense of linked, right? Speaking of intellectuals, um, I feel like kind of a lunkhead right now. Um, but one of the one of the articles that I linked to is actually a perfectly fine uh, um, uh, review of American Sniper. But it talks about like, and it, it's from a guy who, whose point of view is probably fairly liberal. But one thing that he he mentions, like it's even just the way he phrases it at the very end. He said, he goes, you know, the thing is that this film winds up being overly simplistic. He goes, and it's just about a guy who'd done a lot of good things. And that's how he phrased it. A guy who'd done a lot of good things. It's this, yeah, see, that's, speaking of dismissal. That's mm-hmm. why I hate the, I don't even like to say it, but. Murica. Murica. I hate Absolutely. that so much because it is exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. It's putting it, putting an entire way of life or point of view in yeah. a tiny little box and then throwing it yeah. in the dumpster. And you run across this kind of thing. And obviously we're talking more about politics in general, but like what we're talking about is is like intellectualism and then where maybe interacts with elitism. And I think you'll get a lot of uh, intellectualism in the critical community. Um, And so it's, it's hard to know where exactly that started. I think it, I think there's mutual hostility on all parts. And frankly, it's one of the, I've said it before. I'm reluctant to say it again. The phrase Right side of history, it's all about you're wrong. History is going to leave you behind. Though I do not know the future, I know enough to know that you, sir, are behind I, the times. I mm-hmm. just think you're taking that too literally. It's a rhetorical <laughs> phrase that people use. That's fine. And if I say you're going to hell, that is a rhetorical. <laughs> that's a rhetorical phrase based on a future that I assume. And yet I'm told I'm an asshole for saying it. Which is, by the way, no one, no one should ever say it. <laughs> you usually approaching people on the street and saying, yeah. "By the way, you're going to hell." Yeah, and I can <laughs> tell by your Slayer T-shirt. <laughs> Don't you have an Iron Maiden T-shirt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, which is a recent purchase, <laughs> I believe. Off topic. But did you guys hear about what happened with the H&M metal T-shirts? So H&M has been like licensing bands like Metallica oh, and Slayer yeah, yeah. and some okay. T-shirts. And then H&M decided to cut out the middleman and just make up a bunch of bands and logos <laughs> and stuff. And so some really smart and really funny people dedicated a lot of time to making up histories for these bands, including music, including making some of them neo-Nazi bands. <laughs> just to fuck with H&M. It's my favorite thing that happened on the internet this week. That's, That's awesome. Why I have not heard about that. And by the way, David, when I said... The phrase "you are going to hell," I didn't mean you specifically. Just the the <laughs> right, phrase but you in general. Do think I'm going to hell? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't like to. I don't like to think in those terms, even though I do. Um, but uh, but anyway, it's it's this idea of saying like, when history comes along, I will be thought of favorably, and you will not. And so uh, mm. I don't know. It's any anything that is used to dismiss, and it's and it's the same deal. It's. You know, I've I've listened to a lot of conservative commentators who talk about academia and they talk about intellectualism as something to be suspicious of precisely because people within that, like in the intelligentsia and academia and stuff like that, are probably left leaning. And so Mm. they will define intelligence as something that is inherently left leaning. Yeah. Well, I I feel like it's interesting that 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 uh, connection seems to be 
pretty prevalent. And I, I think, uh, I, I feel like a lot of that has to come because a lot of the, uh, um, educational community, especially higher education is predominantly left leaning. Mm -hmm. And I think that has caused a lot of conservatives to have a fear of intellectualism, which is a huge mistake. Like, which is why I really appreciate some universities that are trying to, uh, more conservative leaning uh, universities that are, that are trying to like bring people back into that. And that's why I appreciate a lot of commentators. So they have a sort of affirmative action of their own. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Let's have so many uh, conservative professors. Right. Or, or, um, conservative commentators or, 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 uh, uh, writers or things like that, that I know are involved in the higher education community. Like, uh, um, Thomas Sowell, for one of them, teaches at Stanford, I think is the Hoover Institute, which I, I think that's, I think that's at Stanford. But, um, so the, there, there are pockets of it there, but uh, because it's not, uh, because they're the minority, there are a lot of conservatives who, t- who tend to kind of just stay away from that. And then I think that hurts them in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and I think that probably, and I don't know exactly when that started, maybe the 60s. I could see it maybe being in the 60s. Well, that, yeah, that's, it's an interesting thing because... Uh, a lot of that starts growing in the sixties with a lot of social unrest and things like that. And social unrest in the sixties was before it ever, there was nothing ever like that before in the, in the United States history, at least. Um, so I think a lot of those, a lot of stuff that happened in the sixties sparked a lot of change where, I mean, for people like Bill Ayers are, are teachers now are, Mm -hmm. are people of higher education when before they were anti-establishment. So like there's been this kind of switch in what the establishment means and, um, uh, yeah, like you said, that, that came about in the sixties and, and, uh, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what are the answers for how that just kind of kept going that way. And now has, yeah. is kind of the rule more than the exception. And it's frustrating because like right now, I feel like Josh, I feel like you and I are being like super conservative right now, but when it comes right down to it, if we were to talk to the intelligentsia about movies, we'd probably agree more with them. Oh yeah. Um, because one okay, so you read that comment thread that I contributed to mm-hmm. wrongfully. But the um, one that you contributed to that was the worst, the guy the guy that responded back to you that was the worst one, it looked like he got suspended, if that makes you feel any I better. I did notice that today, <laughs> yes. So that's a win for all of us. Uh but one thing that was it that guy who mentioned that his favorite movies of last year were American Sniper, and he said the Winter Soldier. Full phrase, Captain, Captain America. America. The winter so, so like, if it's Both got America them. in it, then that's what. It, I feel also, like that, he used the phrase because you asked him about what he thought of some of the other movies this year or, or last year, and he said, he said Selma Blue Chunks. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like who anyone who's using that? that phrasing is is automatically yeah, you're out of the conversation. And that's the thing is like it's so there's just such a lack of nuance on, on, on the, on the right when it comes to film, like even somebody like, as I mentioned before, I like, I I like Bill Whittle, uh, as a, as a, as a commentator, I actually met him. He and I apparently went to the same screening of, uh, Star Trek into darkness. You were at that screening and then you were angry that you didn't get to meet him. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, because you left her. You left uh, early as we were uh, hanging out with yeah. people afterwards. But anyway, uh, but even he is somebody that when he talks about culture, he approaches it with suspicion. And then when he talks about the movies that he likes, it winds up being really simplistic stuff. And mm-hmm. like 
There was a, what was that movie? I think oh, Medal of no, like Act Act of Valor. Act of oh, Valor yeah, yeah. was the okay. one about uh, the Where, Navy SEALs. It was like real Navy SEALs in Navy it. SEALs or Marines. I don't remember what they. I think Navy SEALs. I think yeah. Navy SEALs like playing themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And from what I, I hear, saw. like the big the big push was you're seeing maneuvers that are real and and it's neat it's it's neat on that level and so i remember seeing a video where he played a clip from the film uh and the clip from an action standpoint looks pretty fun um and so and then it cuts back to him and he says like he's like didn't that give you chills i was like no because i don't know who these characters are the fact of like these navy seals like coming in to protect their their you know their brothers in this band of brothers kind of way like on principle, I guess that's interesting, but I don't know any of these characters, so why is that? But to you, it's the these guys are America, and then these guys. I think it was like a bunch of like uh, Nicaraguan drug dealers or something like that. Um, and it's like, and so they're the bad guys. So like, there's good, bad. End of story. We don't need to know about characters because all we need to know is these guys are the are on the good side. These guys are on the bad side. So even he, a guy who I think is very intelligent, really expresses himself intelligently. Like he just when it comes to approaching film and approaching art in general, there is no nuance. There's only simplicity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I that idea of the Band of Brothers thing. I mean, I'm the leftist the lefty here i, yeah. I really don't like calling myself a liberal <laughs> let's, let's go pinko let's go with pinko. Yeah. <laughs> there we go now we're pinko. um but i love i eat that shit up that band mm. of brothers stuff because i'm a patriot too and i like the idea of you know i love uh black hawk down which no movie can be truly apolitical but that is a movie that is about not really being concerned with what is going on with the smallies or why they are like they are yeah or why they are fighting the way they are or any of that. It's about these people who got themselves in a bad situation and are trying to work, work together, together to, to get, get out yeah. themselves, to get each other out of it. Cause that's who they have. Mm-hmm. That shit works for me. Um, and, uh, so maybe that clip from active Valor it would bring it for you. Right you know. a tear to my eye. Yeah. And that's the thing is well, from what I hear, like the acting isn't that great when you have, it's like football players playing themselves. <laughs> um, but, uh, that's why I, I really, I'm always trying to encourage the people that I know that are conservatives to be more involved in the area to be engage more with more art because i think the more that you do that the more you can recognize those nuances the more you notice things like that so like uh so like a movie like zero dark 30 for instance that's one that uh i guess it drew some fire from the left for being some some people said it promoted torture which i I, like most of the criticism it got politically was from the left because of the torture thing which I I disagree with, but I don't I don't feel like I heard a lot of support from the right about that one. I don't remember. Maybe I'm just not remembering. Um, uh, not the remember. support that I'm hearing of American Sniper oh, now. My, uh, my no, not at all. Uh, and I feel like yeah, it's because well, a lot of them. I, I I think it's because a lot of them just didn't see it because it was too artsy or something. I, I don't know. But like that that end sequence where they like the raid where they get Osama bin Laden. That the fact that they leave and they come back in like 45 minutes and it's like we just went in found the guy, killed him, and now here he is. Now here's his body. I was like, <laughs> that kind of thing gave me shivers a little bit. I was like, wow, God God bless America. <laughs> and I, But see, I, that's what, I guess what I'm getting at is there are things in more quote-unquote artsy movies that I think will really connect with the ideology that conservatives have. I mean, it works for me. Like, there are a lot of things that I believe that I see in, in movies that are dismissed as artsy. Like, Birdman, which so many people in that uh, movie, in, in that uh, thread were disparaging, 
doesn't have any lefty leanings. I don't think. I mean, I think I not, agree not with that. I'm not that I'm aware. Of. I, I agree with the messages in that movie. I think, and I think it has a lot of interesting and good things to say. Well, that let's move from the art movies into mainstream movies because as much as uh, as much as I think you're right that most people who work in movies, uh, or at least more than half, are are liberals. There's so much in action movies and horror movies. Action movies have this idea of uh, rugged individualism and bootstrap yeah. sort of philosophy, and horror movies have, have a very, uh, you know, uh, traditionally almost to the point of cliche at this point, yeah. have a very socially conservative outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you account for that? I don't know. It's I, I do think that the nature of action movies that you know, I mean, the main characters are. I'll say man of action because they're usually men like they're men of action like they don't sit around talking they don't sit around worrying about feelings like they live in a world of this is the bad guy I need to take care of that and yeah. it, it fits into what I was talking about before and no, don't get me wrong I don't think that conservatism inherently has a black and white attitude but a lot of conservatives uh-huh. do yeah. and so I think you find a lot of that stuff um, as for horror movies I have no idea <laughs> I, like well because a lot of conservatives I know hate horror movies. I don't know where it comes from. I, I just just thinking about it now. I think it goes back to what we were talking about about people retreating to either side and refusing to see any crossover. I think a lot of liberals have an inner inner conservative in certain <laughs> things that maybe comes out in these like fantasy scenarios. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of things that uh, that are kind of traditional American values um, that kind of cover everybody. Like traditional American values is usually a, a term that's relegated to the people on the right, but I think there are still things like individualism or like uh, uh, the, the the horror movies kind of had that sense of a, a strict right and wrong uh-huh. that I think a lot of Americans, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, still agree with. Yeah, and so I think I, I feel like there's kind of a common denominator that everybody sort of slides into the middle there, and that's why those things become popular. That's my. Yeah, I yes, think the individualism, anyway. I think, is a, a good th- uh, a good one to go with because, you know, when the whole Charlie Hebdo thing happened and the idea of an attack on fr- on free speech, not that mm-hmm. it happened here, but at the same time, like, that's when you got people on the right and on the left saying, nope, <laughs> that's, nope, this is the, maybe one of the only things we can agree on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and an individual standing up against a, a, uh, a systemic or societal evil. It's yeah. something that both sides can see themselves as yeah. uh, supporting. And they might they, – there's different definitions of what that evil might be. Right. It could be a corporation or it could be the government. Right. One could say it's, they're very similar and mm. maybe the same thing. But um, <laughs> but in action movies, it's often – I mean in thrillers, it's more, it's more corporate I think because usually mm-hmm. there's a sense of corporations not wanting to get their – hands dirty and everything being done more insidiously. Mm-hmm. But in action movies, it seems like it's a lot of times it's the government, <laughs> you know, like, like Jason Bourne or Rambo or yeah. all these people like, uh, mm. that's, that's who they've been. If not actively antagonized by, they've at least been betrayed or forgotten. Yeah. And then your uh, favorite movie shooter shooter. Well, yeah, which yeah. is one of my, one of the best action movies of the two thousands. And one of mm-hmm. the most, unabashedly uh right-wing movies i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i still haven't yeah. i haven't seen that yeah i saw some some of it was I, playing while i was waiting for my oil to be changed it <laughs> looked pretty good yeah it, i mean it literally <laughs> at one point suggests the idea that a person 
deserves to die simply because they are a U.S. senator. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. Okay, let's <laughs> let's sort this out because uh, I don't see a downside here. Um, and, just, and just a badass like, here's your term limits. <laughs> no. um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it is odd. Uh, oh, but that. Rem- uh, um, oh, speaking of that stupid of stupid catchphrases what about which lethal weapon is t- is it where he says diplomatic immunity and then he shoots him in the head and says <laughs> it's just been revoked <laughs> i think that was the second or third one i haven't yeah. seen any of the lethal weapons so i don't know but even i know <laughs> diplomatic immunity yeah. yeah yeah um yeah it's uh it's a weird it's a weird thing uh existing in this area and in a way it can be very frustrating but it also i think gives me a certain degree of perspective because that allows me to look at I'll, I'll go I'll go one way and then the other it allows me to look at the conservative attitude towards culture and say all right we have a lot of work to do um, this came about because I was listening to a podcast by a guy named Ben Shapiro who politically I tend to agree with quite a bit and I like the way that he I, I, I like the way he breaks things down um, he was talking about the best picture nominees and he was talking about how all of them are crap and all that he hadn't seen any of them. Well, sorry. He'd seen American Sniper. Loved it. <laughs> and he said, he, and that's the thing. And then he, he'd seen Whiplash and loved it. Mm-hmm. Thought it was great. Why? Because he had, when he was younger, like he played, I think, violin uh, in a, in a band, uh, not a band, but like in, a, in an orchestra like that. And it was, I think, competitive. And he really, and like, there was such an emphasis on quality and there was like, and the person in charge was like really harsh. And so I, and so he really thought whiplash was great. And I remember when I heard that, I'm like, connect the fucking dots. (laughs) You had a personal experience that allowed you to love this movie. Isn't it conceivable a, that you might have a personal, have had a personal experience that might connect you to some of these other movies that you haven't bothered seeing Mm -hmm. or B other people might've had that. And maybe just maybe that's why people are responding to them so well. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it like people didn't pick Birdman as an affront to you for liking American Sniper. <laughs> it's just it, it's it is amazing. I think and listening to that and just the because I think you know as 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 critics and people with critical minds we've learned to connect those dots. Right. And and there's a certain degree of empathy there. Like, well, this worked for me. Maybe this thing worked for you. Yeah. I can see that even if I don't agree. I think I expected this episode to be more about you guys defending conservatives <laughs> and you're displaying much more exasperation exasperation is the word and by the way that i'll get to the other side in a moment okay but, um no it's just uh it, it's such a frustrating do you have can you think of any other examples like that i mean um, i can also think of examples of people i know and family members but i don't want to yeah I, th- I think you don't want to go down that road yeah. <laughs> um i mean i tend to stay away from internet comments so i don't have the uh yeah the experience in it that you do. But I mean, I think a lot of it, like we were saying, goes back to immersion in the arts. I think like if uh, similarly, if you listen, if you've heard 10 songs in your life and all of them are country songs and you thought those were all great, Mm -hmm. somebody puts revolver on, you're going to be like, what is this shit? Yeah. And that's only because you don't know anything about music. And so like, it could could blow your mind. Well, it could, but it it tends not to with a lot of these (laughs) people. And I, and I think it's just because, 
because they're not used to it, you know, like mm-hmm. you just, you need to, you need to broaden your, your horizons when it comes to artistic. I mean, that's, that's part of art is exploring new things and exploring things in a different way. Mm-hmm. So just hearing the same thing or hearing something that you already agree with, or just telling you a story that you like, there's not a lot of depth to that. Yeah. And if you don't want depth, then great. A lot of those people in those comments were saying, I go to the movies to be entertained, not to hear some. Yeah. If you want to send a message, use Western Union, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That sounds so old. It's yeah. a grandpa old-timey, outdated. Old-timey saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, and there's also this other thing of like, along with I go to movies to be entertained. Something that will often be thrown out there is box office Um, because admittedly, American Sniper made more money than all the other best picture winners combined. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. And they would say like, it's like, oh, clearly this is, you know, this is what the people want. (laughs) The Oscars are out of touch. And it's like, and I go back to a Simpsons. It's not even a quote. It's on a poster in the background. And it is one of my favorite things because I feel like, all right, in one phrase, I can. I feel like I can debunk this attitude. Fifty million cigarette smokers can't be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, because when it comes right down to it, it's like, yeah, the highest grossing movie last year yeah. was Transformers Four. Do you think that should be up for Best yeah. Picture? And similarly, you can Wait, say fifty million. I think so. Yeah, I thought it was uh, Mockingjay. Oh, maybe now, but uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't keep track of that. But I think Transformers yeah. Four was number one for a very long time. Yeah. In fairness, I don't think that's a specifically conservative thing. I think that so many people right and left complaining that the Dark Knight didn't get nominated sure. for Best Picture was part of the impetus to expand it. So I think there's always people who are kind of uh, more populist in their movie tastes who mm-hmm. feel like the movie that makes the most money should also be the best. Right. Uh, the best picture winner. Um, which is, which is stupid and doesn't make any sense. That comes to a misunderstanding of, of what cinema is as an art form, I think. Well, and let me ask you this, because you said you don't think it's specifically conservative. I don't necessarily think it is that either, but they certainly weren't making that argument in regards to either Transformers or Mockingjay. And also, and this is a thing that I have not come to any conclusions on. Theoretically, they could make the argument of, well, the market has spoken about what is the best. And of those nine, or were there eight? I don't I remember. D- I have no idea. Whatever. I think it was nine. How, how, okay. Of those nine, this one, the market has shown that it was the best. <laughs> so it is the best. But that comes down to a misunderstanding of both cinema and capitalism. Yes, I know. So I don't want to talk to that person. Right, yes. <laughs> well, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, if, except if I you, do. If you want to, to loudly say opinions about two things that I know a lot about and feel strongly about but don't know anything about either one, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – so that's that's one side of it is just the frustration of like if I – if I want to talk movies, you know, it's one of the things that I, you know, one of the things I find very refreshing about my, uh, my friend's friendship with Josh is that politically we're very similar, but we also, but you're also a big Ingmar Bergman fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like there's not. Glenn and you, Beck's and you favorite love, filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, and you, and you know, uh, you know what, um, Michael Medved's favorite film movement was French new wave, <laughs> you know, like it's just, and so if, if Michael Medved had to name a favorite film movement, what would it be? I'm liking all this, all this name dropping. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, Medved is specifically a critic uh, who's yeah. conservative. And I can listen to him for about 
mm, three seconds before I want to kill myself. <laughs> um, because he's a guy who completely unabashedly, and that, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of like left-leaning critics that do this as well, mm-hmm. but he, he unabashedly just basically measures every film based on, is it right-leaning enough? And the answer is mm-hmm. uh, no. In a lot of instances. <laughs> um, he's, I feel like he's one of those ones that's getting worse as he gets older. There's very lot, much so. A lot of people who have, uh, who exist speaking in the political spheres get worse as they get older. Like, yeah. like you watch Chris Matthews now and he's just this <laughs> crinkled old man who's furious at everyone who doesn't yeah. think what he thinks. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and then the, uh, the aforementioned Dennis Miller, like he can still craft a joke. He can uh-huh. still deliver a joke, but he spent so much time basically only talking to audiences that are very forgiving of him. Once again, it's the same, same criticism I have about Christian film. When you're only pandering to the people that are going to love you, as long as you pander to them, you're not going to sharpen your skills. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of what this episode was going to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have uh, surprised you, David <laughs> was the, the frustration with, with, feeling like if I want to talk movies, I'm going to have to talk to somebody who does not pol- uh, agree with me politically. I'm going to, ha- which is actually in a way, that's kind of a great thing. It forces you mm. to engage with people that you're not similar to. Yeah. It's hard to know how much that's actually the case though, that like the majority of conservatives are people who feel this way. I, I really can't tell. I don't And it's yeah. hard to, for us to speak to that living in Los Angeles where yeah. Uh, you, you know, conservatives are the minority. So it could be very possibly that if you go to Georgia, you'll be able to talk to a lot of people who can speak very, uh, you know, well of film yeah. and might still agree with you politically. I don't, I don't really know. It's hard to say whether most conservatives have this kind of fear of the arts and uh, and distance themselves from it. Right. Now, I want to switch gears. Uh and we should probably start wrapping up, but in switching gears, I might be heading us down a, not a bad path, but a long one. Um, all right. The flip side of this is Here that I feel, <laughs> I, I worry sometimes that if I, if I don't like a movie for reasons that are maybe a little bit political, like maybe my, maybe my political outlook causes me to dis you know it just makes me more aware of things and i just and i can't check it at the door i'm unable to do it i worry that i will be called out on it whereas like for example but i've encouraged you for years you. i know but i've encouraged you to to embrace that that part of your identity as a film critic if i were to see obvious child right and I f- and I talked about it the way liberal critics have talked about American Sniper, saying I don't think it approached this. And of course, I haven't seen Obvious Child, so I don't know if that's even possible for me to do. Right, but you're picking a movie that has been singled out for its yes, issue. Exactly, yeah, that's it's a good example. Yeah. So, were I to approach Obvious Child with the same tone, saying I wish it had shown more of the other side. I wish it had been more nuanced. I wish she had been much more conflicted. And a lot of the people, a lot of the praise that people give that film is that it's, it's part of who she is, but it, she doesn't have kind of the token conflict that pe- that women always have in uh, movies that deal with the, with the issue. And, and I still think I, I, I frankly still think I would like the movie, but I'm using it as an well, example. Cause you're not one of those people. 
Yeah, I guess not. But uh, but that, like, but you're not you're not the but what if polar I opposite of the person who talks about American Sniper? And I don't know unless I'm unless you think I am American Sniper is your least favorite movie last year. <laughs> it is my least favorite movie last year. <laughs> like if if Obvious Child was my least favorite movie of last year because I thought it did not represent abortion the way I thought it should be represented, which incidentally is how you feel about. And don't get me wrong, I didn't love American Sniper, and I absolutely see where you're coming from on, on a lot of issues. I'm not condemning you at all. Um, but if I were to say, I think it needed to be more well-rounded in how it approaches the issue, not the specific story of the character. And of course, one's based on a true story, so there's that as well. But like, I feel but, like but, I would be told, check your fucking bias at the door, and that sort of thing. And, and maybe you would be. not. You wouldn't be told that by me. Right. Um, but to defend myself, I don't think that that's – I'd have to go back and read my review. But I don't think that my – disagreement with American Sniper is that it didn't show enough of the other side more than it is in my opinion it comes across as disingenuous in the way that it presents what it does show okay hmm. and so I th- and I don't think that's the case with, with Obvious okay. Child I think Obvious Child has a lot of um, authenticity to it okay. and I think that's what makes it a better movie I think I'm conflating uh, your issues with American Sniper <laughs> with with many other people I, I, I mm-hmm. have to go back um, and read my review again maybe I did say some real uh, dickheaded things I don't think in your <laughs> I, I wouldn't say dickheaded and, and I don't even think that attitude is a dickheaded one because we are as you and I talked about like we're dealing with someone whose job it is, it's one thing when you're just in the infantry and it's like the bad guys are over there and they're shooting at me I gotta do this it's another one it's another issue when you're all alone, you're not specifically in any danger, and you have to constantly make judgment calls. Like, that is a different issue, and it should be handled with uh, a fair amount of nuance and that sort of thing. But um, but that's the thing, is like... I th- oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think I was going to say that, well, that just gets into specific stuff about American Sniper, so maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> it's fine if, if you want to... I, I was just going to say, I feel like that... Uh, that is a weakness of the film that's totally separate from any of the political stuff mm. is just I feel like maybe there's a slavishness to we have to see every tour that he does and we have to see maybe action based things that happen in every tour. Yeah. And less of things like like you said, like that. the whole uh, the whole the whole idea of him being kind of separated from the rest of of the military and that he's kind of doing his own thing. And that could, you know, expand itself into an an ego thing. Mm-hmm. Um which I think a lot of people have said of Chris Kyle. He's somebody who who had kind of a big ego and may have actually told tall tales about his own uh, his own experiences. But uh, I feel like that's that's that makes that movie more interesting to me. But mm-hmm. that's separate from any political stuff. Yeah. And now, oddly enough, I actually find myself going back to criticizing fellow conservatives because uh, <laughs> one thing that um, one thing that that came about in some other podcasts that I listened to is like people were talking about the imitation game and talking about uh, and speaking favorably of it uh, in the sense of like performances and that sort of thing. So they weren't they weren't like uh, frustrated with the film. But one thing that they talked about was how angry they was they were that <coughs> excuse me <coughs> that huzzah uh, ah indeed um, <laughs> how frustrated they were that. Like, well, yeah, but like, th- look at all the liberties that this took with the true story. And meanwhile, I mean, American Sniper took a number of them. And, and, the, and yeah, by the well, way, that, mostly there's the flip in terms side. of like omitting some of the sure. more questionable or perhaps yeah. damaging yeah. Uh, things about Chris Kyle. And, you know, and the flip side, and that's the thing is like so much of what I might say about like a liberal critic 
d- like does not line up with you or someone like Scott Nye, who's on the show from time to time, and like he didn't like Imitation Game because he felt like, yeah, this doesn't really represent this guy accurately either because it seems somehow ashamed of him being gay. Like it wants to have its cake and eat it too. And be like, isn't it a shame what happened to him because he was gay, but we're not going to show anything. Cause we want to stick with that PG 13 and we don't want to alienate anybody. Mm-hmm. And it winds up being really milk toast. And so, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, and, and I don't, and instinctively, I don't like the idea of talking about like, Oh, all these liberal critics. Cause I don't, cause by and large, I don't think I have a, an issue with them. Um, and maybe maybe it's you and I talked off mic a while back about this idea of the narrative yeah. uh, about any number of things. Like there's the thing that's just accepted and we all, even people that might not agree with it, we accept it to such an extent that you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of things I'm not questioning. And I think when I read critics, if there's any kind of if it's if it's like a war movie or something like that and the critic has a problem with the way that it depicts war as maybe being too pro-war – um, I, I, I never have a problem with it. Uh, not that I'm, I don't consider myself remarkably pro war, but like, I never think, oh, they're just bringing their liberal bias into it. I never think that. I just think, okay, yeah, that's it. That's how mm-hmm. it works. And I'm not saying it in a cynical way either. I just accept it. And, uh, whereas if I'm reading a conservative critic and if I'm writing a review about a movie or something like that touches on certain political issues that I have an opinion on, I feel like I need to be, I need to like go through that with a fine tooth comb. Hmm. And at least have a deep, not take it out, but at least understand why I'm thinking certain things. Um, Yeah. On the flip side, I think there are a lot of, uh, I think there are some things that because of the narrative and because a lot of uh, film critics do come from the left side, I think there are things that they might, uh, they would catch things like things being too Mm pro-war, but I think might miss things like a film being too, say, anti-corporation. Like that's the thing I I tend to see a lot in movies. Mm -hmm maybe because I have really strong feelings about economics and and uh, capitalism in general, but I right. feel like there's a lot of movies where you said, I think we can probably all agree. There are a lot of movies where there's a big evil corporation. Yeah. And, and I they're feel all like, directed by Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> um, but there are things that, that sometimes I feel like because they're assuming that everyone agrees with them or because they're, they're so entrenched in a sort of belief of the way the corporations work. they, they don't recognize that both both the filmmaker and the critics don't realize that it's saying something that doesn't really make sense about corporations. For example, when we were watching, did you and I see Chappie together? I forget. Yes, yes we did. Um, I was saying after that movie, did you see Chappie? No. There's a part where near the beginning, uh, Dev Patel's character comes. Am I saying his name right? Dev Patel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he comes the guy in from the second best exotic marriage. Ever. That's <laughs> yes, him. that's the one. That's him. <laughs> Made famous by. <laughs> yeah. Um, he comes into Sigourney Weaver's office. Sigourney Weaver is the, the owner of this company. Are you that saying is, that right? <laughs> I think it's Sigourney. I'm sorry. Sig- oh, man. Um, great. I call her Siggy. But uh, uh, he comes into her office. She's the owner of this company that's, that has built these robots that, that he masterminded, by the way, um, that she has now sold to the, the police force of jo- Johannesburg. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> and uh, and has made millions, if not billions of dollars. He comes into her office and says, hey, I've created a software for a robot that will make it sentient. And she's like, no, I don't think so. That's not what we do. Like, we, we have a, a contract with, the, with the, the, the police force. We're not interested in all that garbage. And 
it's trying to present her as this like money grubbing corporate person. But even in that, it doesn't make sense. Cause if you're the owner of a company that has made millions by selling robots to the police, if someone else comes in and tells you, Hey, now I can make a robot that can think like a human. All you hear are dollar signs, you know, like I just, we just became the two richest people in the world is what she <laughs> should have said to him. So, well, she'd probably just take his idea. And take well, for it, there right? you go. <laughs> even, even if she had done that, that would have been more like <laughs> more consistent. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I see that a lot of times I see misrepresentations of the way a corporation would work or a corporation that's that is shown as evil because it's a corporation and without recognizing that it's particular people within the corporation making choices that we as a society agree are bad choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like those are things that a lot of times critics don't catch. Uh, I should say more more uh, more left leaning critics, which is the majority, I think. Um, don't catch. And, and the other thing to bring up, you know, something specific that I feel like my politics has made me aware of, um, is this idea of, you know, in, in the future, uh, and dystopian future movies and stuff like that, when you get a situation where there's a, a company that just has so much power and it's, and people are like, Oh, look at this company. that has so much power. Usually it has a lot of power because it has started to take the place of a government mm-hmm. and people act as though it's, it's like, yeah, it's scary because it no longer retains all the properties of a company. Mm-hmm. You know, a company right now can't arrest you. A government can. And in the future, mm-hmm. if a, if a company can arrest you, then that has, then it has simply taken the place of a government right. and is being called and is simply being called a company. And that's why it's yeah. time to rise up. And that's, that's why, why we need the right to bear arms. Yeah. Where, that's what this is about, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this where's is my, uh, this is all about the second amendment. Where's my guy Fox mask? Pry it from my cold dead. <laughs> what have you? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Oh. My cold dead Where did you put that gun? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so uh, so it's you know it's it's a thing that I'm not sure if there's any real conclusion to be had here, except I wanted to just sort of explore like not even necessarily why aren't there more conservative critics or anything, more just like maybe and maybe it's a little selfish that like this is listeners, this is where I'm coming from. You know, yeah. some people say, including you, say that I don't talk enough about my conservative. Yeah. Uh, because I'd like to, because and... I would like to normalize it. Here's the example I'll give that I just started thinking about while you guys were talking. Okay. Um, I haven't seen It Follows yet. Okay. But more than one review that I've read has mentioned that it's refreshing that it's a horror movie that doesn't stigmatize promiscuity. Right. And people and I, you know, I'm all for it. I think promiscuity is great. I think people should have, as long as it's safe-ish and respectable. If everyone respects one another, that ish <laughs> speaks volumes. Because, well, I don't want to like safe. <laughs> like you can't be one hundred percent safe all the time in terms of you know avoiding pregnancy and STDs. Oh, okay, right? fair enough. So, <laughs> right. safe for sex, as people say, and as long as uh, both or more than two parties respect each other, I'm all for promiscuity. People for a moment, who, I thought you were going to be like, you know, sometimes you just got to start swinging. Yeah, <laughs> uh, people who are old enough to make these decisions for themselves. Yeah. Uh, fucking other people who are old enough to make the decisions for themselves i'm all for it <laughs> so i don't question that when i read it in a review but yeah. if someone took the other the other tack right mm-hmm. if someone said if someone had a an objection to the lack of stigmatization of promiscuity that would kind of be the only thing the review was about right because that's because of what we come to expect from film criticism and it being of this left-leaning uh 
just being left leaning in general, if someone's point of view on it follows was that it couldn't be a thing they mentioned in the second half of their third paragraph. Like, yeah, it's and not then a lead to Barry. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and so even though I very much agree I'm on the side of the majority of film critics and my um, social and political views, um, I would like to normalize uh, that part of the uh, of of the film critic community so that we're having uh, a dialogue on on an equal platform. Well, it's interesting you bring up It Follows because while I, I think an argument could be made, I don't know if it, I don't know if the movie does this, but an argument could be made that it does stigmatize promiscuity because it's a film all about consequences, all about like unintended consequences, things that you never knew when you went into this thing. It could be, I mean, people talk about the STDs aspect, but it could be emotional just as much. Right. And this, but I guess mean more about the, the idea that the, it, the only way to, not save yourself, but to help yourself in right. it follows is to keep having more and more sex. Right. Which could also be about sex addiction, actually, if you look at it that way. Right. Um, and just, but in doing so, you're hurting someone else. You're bringing someone else into this. And the only way to make yourself feel better is to just keep doing this thing. And so well, it's all about informed consent. How informed are they? You have to lay out beforehand. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Just a heads up. Uh, a horrible monster is going to start following you. Look, stop laughing. Um, yeah. And it's uh, so that's the thing. One of the things that I like about it follows is that I think it, it has it can't be said to say, well, it's it's completely stigmatizes promiscuity, nor can it say nor can it be said to be 100 percent sex positive. I think it's. There's a lot of nuance there that I think is really exciting. That's one of the reasons I like it. Um, but and I yeah. think that that kind of uh, makes me think of a little bit of what, what you were saying is that, uh, for instance, normalizing conservatism uh, gives two sides of the story. And the more that we are uh, – the more that we're expecting to hear both sides of the story, the more that we're expecting to look at both sides – of a movie from, from a political standpoint, I, I feel like that I was saying earlier about how I think art should expand our minds and drive us forwards and things. And I think discussion of art should do the same thing. And I think in looking at both sides of it really, I think strengthens our view of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And I just think it should be, uh, I know, you know, we were allowed to now pick, so much of our own information feeds and, mm -hmm. and, and tailor them to our own point of view. It would be helpful for us if, uh, um, differing viewpoints just popped up naturally in mm -hmm. the stuff that we yeah. read and we could engage with it on a, you know, uh, a normal everyday, you know, I don't want to, don't want to go into the specifics, but Tyler, you and I had a big disagreement off mic recently to the point, yeah. because I'm an overreactor to the point where I'm thinking like, fuck, how do I, how do I, how, do we really have to end the show now? Do we really have to like, <laughs> this is going to be, and then we had lunch and we talked about it and it was yeah. great and everything went great. And <laughs> I we, feel like it turned out not to even be that much of a disagreement so much as a, a, a yeah, it required uh, elaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, and it's tough. I mean, it's especially when it comes, you know, I mean, for example, I just, you know, what do we, what movies do we just talk about? Obvious Child and American Sniper. That's abortion and war. Like those are big <laughs> things that people are going to have intellectual and emotional responses to. Like you can't help that. Mm -hmm. And and if someone has the and if you feel super, super strong about a certain idea and then you a movie comes across 
that get, that runs counter to that, and maybe and then you read somebody's article that is dismissive of your view. Uh, of course you're going to respond in a, in a big way and it's, and it's hard not to, but I think the more people realize that, that they have their own biases and that that's actually a, an okay thing as long as you recognize it. If you say my way of looking at it is the only way of looking at it. Right. And that's a thing that bothers me and it can happen both. It can happen in both political parties. Um, you know, like you've said that you're you're uh, a patriot, and I think there are plenty of people on the right that say you can't be left leaning and a patriot. It's not possible. If you want to change the country, then clearly you don't love it. You know, and so uh, then there's people on the left who's like, oh, well, you you're not in favor of certain programs that help the poor, don't you? So you hate the poor is what you're saying, mm-hmm. obviously. And the analogy that I always come up with is if you and I were to uh, read a, you know, if if I were to ask you, hey, what did you think of such and such a book? And then you said, oh, I didn't like it. And my response was, oh, that's a dumb opinion. Now, even that is better than the one I'm about to say, which is, oh, you don't know how to read? <laughs> it's literally – if to read is to come to the conclusion that I came to. And right. I feel like that's – as long as you recognize that, yeah, you – You didn't like Atlas Shrugged? What, do you not know how to read? Yeah, oh, boy. Oh. Um, and so uh, I feel like – and obviously, I'm not saying that every political opinion is equally valid. Obviously, I don't think that. Otherwise, I wouldn't hold specific political opinions. Um, but at the very least, recognize whether you're liberal or conservative or whatever you want to say uh, that you you're always approaching art with your own with your own. Uh, I won't even say agenda. I'll just stick with bias. Your own bias and. What it comes down to ultimately is something that's even bigger than politics, and it comes down to something you and I talk about all the time, which is just try to recognize where the filmmakers come from, give them the benefit of the doubt, try try not to so immediately jump to your own defense, because you might actually, for lack of a better term, learn something, or at the very least, you've engaged with somebody in a way that you might not otherwise, someone that disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. And that's an exciting thing, I think. Yeah, yeah I think on... Uh, I don't know if this has anything to do with film, but it's something I've been wanting to say about, because you mentioned abortion. I think on a, on big topics like that that are very divisive, mm-hmm. I think most of the problem why they're so divisive is that the sides are having different arguments and they don't, they, because they refuse to see it from one of those point of view, mm-hmm. they'll never find any common ground because they're yelling about, they're yelling at each other about two completely different things. Yeah. Um, you know the idea of that. You know, I as a as a pro choice person believe that a uh, woman should have the choice over what goes on in her own uh, her own body is such a different argument from someone who is treating an unborn fetus as a full and equal life to anyone else. Right. They're not. You're not on this. You're not even in the same stadium when you're arguing about those mm. two things, and that's a big problem, and that's a big reason why there's never any movement on that issue. Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, it's one. I, we, I actually, oddly enough, had this conversation with Kate Kulzik uh, at at Comic Con. Josh, I believe you were there uh, when when we were. T- it was a couple years ago, I think. We were outside the. Uh, was it a real conversation or was it like quip, 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 quip? It was a real conversation. I don't remember that. Oh, all right. Do you guys have to quip a lot? Huh? I guess. So. I remember one I conversation we where it was like. She had like a barb and then you had one back and then she had one back and I was like, oh, now I'm uncomfortable. But then it ended and I was like, oh, okay, we can have fun at the Adult Swim Funhouse. It was probably that for a few seconds and then it turned into a real conversation. But but yeah, like to mention abortion, like it's to me the equivalent of, oh, don't you know how to read? It's you hate women. You want to kill children. Those are the two. Those are the two views of the other side. 
And it's like, <laughs> why can't we agree and hate women and kill exactly. children? Exactly. Let's but do it. I'll Let's say, kill female babies. I'll say this in defense, a slight defense going back a little bit on what I just said. And this ties into our off mic discussion mm-hmm. that we had a uh, lunch over. Um, because the people being talked about in the abortion uh, uh, debate are women. Mm-hmm. One side does tend to draw more misogyny than the other. It doesn't mean it's the core of the argument, but oh, sometimes sure. gets colored by that. So I think the the I, I, again I as a liberal pro choice person I disagree with the characterization that all pro lifers are misogynists. But I also recognize that if someone is given to misogyny, they might be more willing to line up with one point of view over the other on this issue. Mm, that's an interesting point of view. I'd venture to say that very few people are more pro-abortion than frat boys who just want to uh, who just want to use women and have well, no consequences. They're more pro-abortion abortion in their own personal cases. That's hypocrisy. <laughs> like, I'm sure them, plenty of them could be pro-life uh, all the live long day uh, on the picket line. Um, but when when the when they knocked up someone that's an exception and that's part of the problem it's hard to say i did just we did just rewatch do, uh, dogma Ugh. um uh, two dollars uh, and fifty cents everybody yeah. um, someone uh, should have aborted that movie watch out <laughs> all right that was good that's a good um, place to end on that great great bon mo <laughs> of all right. Um, I love that phrase, by the way. You can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can leave comments on this episode. I imagine there will be one or two. Uh, I'm looking forward to them personally. I'm not. Um, yeah, you will look forward to them. Do you want, want to know why? Because most Here's, of them will agree with me. Most of them will agree with you. I'm going to be the one but see, I feel called like, misogynist. I, but I feel like by finding middle ground, I'll, I might be accused of being a traitor. Maybe. Who knows? That's what I'm saying. It certainly happened uh, on both sides. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I made the... Um, years ago, I made the mistake of wondering whether or not the government should require us to wear seatbelts. And I got a whole bunch of <laughs> shit for that. Um, cause uh, I do have a strong libertarian streak. Anyway, uh, you got to watch Milton Friedman stuff. I think you'd like him. Okay. I will do that. Uh, you can find us at shipretention.com. <laughs> That's you where fucking dismiss me. Podcast, <laughs> dismissing me because I'm conservative. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, all of our movie reviews, uh, can be found. You can email us at David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David on Twitter at Davey pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. Um, now you guys have, uh, another podcast together. It's called more than one lesson. What's That's going true. on over there? Well, the most recent episode as of, uh, the posting of this will be, uh, our discussion of, do you believe Christian film from the writers of God's not dead Woo! and spoilers? I think we both agreed that it's better than God's not dead. I think so. That's still doesn't mean much but right we try to be but it's like uh, how like certain types of hepatitis are better than other types of hepatitis. exactly yeah <laughs> a kick to the crotch is better than a hammer to the skull but there when it go. comes right down to it <laughs> i think i'd prefer a, a nice massage <laughs> uh so that's more than one lesson my other podcast oh our, i forgot our main uh, our show's twitter is battleship retention with no vowels and uh that's how you're supposed to say it um it sounds kind of russian when you say it though my other podcast is about tv it's called hey watch this this week paul and i will be talking about the uh series finale of crawl show on comedy central and we uh i decided to drop in on this season of modern family just to see what's going on and that was a bad i picked a bad week 
because this was a snooze of an episode. Hmm. Uh, but you can find us talking shit about Modern Family <laughs> and see how we feel about Kroll Show at Hey Watch This this week. Josh, where can people find you and your work on the internet, including Battleship Retention? Yeah, I you have. Reviewed, you reviewed uh, While We're Young just yes, this week. Yes, I have uh, two recent reviews on Battleship Retention, which you can read. Um, while We're Young? While We're Young and Apartment Troubles. Apartment Troubles. Yes, and While We're Young being the new No Baumbach film, if anyone is a big fan of him as I am. Um but uh, I'm also at the Josh Long on Twitter, and uh, if you do Letterboxd, I am also at the Josh Long, or maybe it's just the Josh Long. I don't remember how that one works. I don't but I follow that. everyone back, so follow me. All right. Yeah. Do you want Josh to follow you? Who Who wouldn't? Josh follows. That's the movie I want to see. There we go. Yeah. All right. That's a good place to stop. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 